0: Welcome to the Creative Coaching Podcast, where we bring together coaches, athletes, former athletes, leaders, and influencers. Everyone has a story, and my hope is that when you listen to their stories, you will be inspired and live your life to tell your story one day. Today's guest is Brian Weber. Coach Weber is the associate head coach at Stony Brook University. We talked to him today about his journey from a graduate assistant with no former collegiate playing experience to associate head coach and how he sets himself apart through hard work and doing the little things. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach.
1: Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it.
0: Uh, coach Weber, I'm glad to have you on, man. Uh, I think your perspective will be fresh as associate head coach at Division One level. I think uh, you know what we have going here on the podcast has been very, very helpful, uh, very informative, and kind of going down the line of kind of what you've done, where you've been. Uh, I think your your approach to the game is not unlike unlike a lot of other guys, but uh there's some twists and turns maybe that we don't know and, and I'm just glad to have you on so we can kind of hear from you so uh
1: no, I mean I'm, I'm really I'm really thankful to, to get to know you and, and I really appreciate you having me on
0: yes sir so to kick it off man how are you introduced to this game
1: um you know it's kind of been a part of my life for as long as I can remember I was not a great player I was a normal high school player you know I been playing since probably fifth grade but you know never played in college it was never um it was one of the sports i played not the only thing i did um nobody really in my family did anything with basketball i just you know i knew i liked it um you know and then it wasn't until after i was done playing in high school and i started coaching high school basketball that i kind of knew that hey, I might be pretty good at it, and it's something yeah. that I really, really, really enjoy to do. Um, so, so I've been around it for a long time, but you know, really seriously, you know, ever since I've been coaching, which was immediately after I, I graduated from high school.
0: Got you. So then, who or what influenced you to get into the coaching profession?
1: Um, you know, you know what what's funny is, uh, is is I probably I was not a great student in high school, and I probably got turned down from you know, 80% of the colleges that I applied to, and then I ended up staying local. I went to a a school, University of Akron, which is about 15 minutes from where I went to high school, and so I just kind of wanted to, I wasn't playing any sports in college, and I kind of wanted to stay attached to athletics, so my high school coach uh, let me coach the eighth grade team uh, my first year out of high school, and I went back to uh, the middle school that I went to, and and I was the eighth grade, uh, the head eighth grade coach for my middle school, it's is green middle school in Ohio, Akron, Ohio. Um, and from that point on, I just, you know, I fell in love with it. And, you know, obviously, like a lot of people, uh, one of my goals was, hey, you know, I really like this. I'd love to have it be the only thing I do. Um, you know, it's not realistic for a lot of people in their minds. But, you know, it's just sort of something that I, that I always thought about. And I, uh, I majored in secondary education, went through the whole process, um, and actually ended up teaching for one year after I graduated. Uh, so I was a freshman English teacher and a JV basketball coach at Glen Oak High School, where C.J. McCollum went. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that was the time when I really sort of, you know, I said, okay, you know, I really love to coach, and maybe teaching's not for me. <laughs> so so yeah. that's kind of, uh, that's how the whole thing started.
0: Yeah, with teaching, either you have it or you don't, man. It's, uh, it's one of those things where it's, yeah, teaching in the classroom is a war of attrition, and it's not for the faint of heart, and if you're not sure if you should do it, you probably shouldn't. So, yeah, great, great uh, self-awareness there. I'll tell you what, Coach, coaching at eighth grade in the high school level, uh, more so the eighth grade level, middle school, if you can get through that, man, you can get through a lot of things. I'll tell you what. Uh, it,
1: for sure. It, and, and and it was great, too, because it kind of, like, let me find my voice, which, you know, I think a lot of times when you get into to college coaching early, you know, even, even when I got in as a GA and all that stuff, like, you don't really say a lot. It's not really your role to be out there you know, moving and weaving uh, at practice, and, you know, for me to be able to have my own thing as small of a level as it may have been, I think it was good for me to kind of find my voice and just my confidence in front of people and all that kind of stuff, so, you know, even if it was with 8th graders and not necessarily like an older, bigger level. You
0: know, leadership is leadership, and when you find, I think when you say that, finding your voice, finding your confidence, it's kind of like Okay, let me find where, uh, what wave I should take, because I don't want to sound like my predecessor, whoever. You know what I mean. You don't want to sound like somebody that came before you, and you definitely don't want to sound like somebody you're trying to be. You want to have your own voice and your own kind of style of doing it, and I think that builds, like you said, it builds confidence. It it gets you to the place where when you step into a role of leadership, you know, like, okay, my directives are are clear. Uh, I know where I'm headed with these guys. They know where I'm headed with them. And uh, so that – because I'm just convinced that if you can lead at eighth grade, at eighth grade coaching level, you can lead at a high school coaching level and, and beyond because uh, people are people. And especially with – no, 100%. You know, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah, because kids, man, that's, that's – man. You either, you either got that audience or they, they, they just completely tune you out. Uh, so it's one of the toughest demographics to serve but it is very, very rewarding. So, uh, how, you know, you talked about being a GA, uh, and I see you were a GA at uh, University of Miami. What, uh, how did that role prepare you for what you currently do right now?
1: Well, so uh, after that one year of teaching, I actually did a year as a volunteer GA at the University of Akron with Coach Dambrock. Okay. Who's, now the, uh, who's now the head coach at Duquesne University. Yeah. It was LeBron's high school coach. Wow. And, you know, that was my first kind of indoctrination to college coaching, right? So that was a completely different element to me. It was just something that I knew that I wanted to do. So, you know, I, I, I kind of went out of my way and, you know, I actually quit my teaching job, which much to the dismay of my, my family at the time, they, nobody really understood Kind of what I saw, but you know, it was one of those things where I just knew that I wasn't going to be happy if in 40 years I looked back and said, "Hey, you know, you know, that's something that I've always wanted to do." And I knew I was young enough that I could kind of make a a decision like that. So, so I quit my teaching job and I took a volunteer VA spot at at the University of Akron, um, which was unbelievable uh, for me because obviously it's a it's a big time coach and you know, kind of put me in a good position to. To, to, you know, further my, my coaching career and just learn from one of the best coaches in the country, in my opinion. Um, but specifically, so yeah, so, so I, I spent that year at Akron, uh, which was great for me, you know, and then after that year, I went to the University of Miami. I took a GA position. Uh, and between those two spots, and Coach Negas obviously was the, the ACC Coach of the Year, yeah. National Coach of the Year when I was there. Um, wow. just to learn from those two guys, who, who are both, you know, tremendous, tremendous coaches and people, uh, was really, really good uh, for a guy who had, had really never done it at that, at that level. Yeah. Um, but more than anything, I think the biggest thing that being a GA taught me was that if, if I was going to move up in the business and if I was going to get respect from, you know, high-level Division One athletes or collegiate-level athletes, not being a college level player myself it was going to have to come from trust and from time spent and from just you know showing those guys that i would be willing to do anything for them um and so like anytime they would need a rebounder anytime they would need you know any assistance whatsoever i just try to make myself available and then at the end of the day like if those guys can trust you uh you know they're gonna they're gonna buy in and then slowly but surely you know i'm I'm giving, like, Shane Larkin little tidbits. You know, obviously, like, that wow. year was the 17th pick in the NBA draft. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and, and it just kind of came from, hey, I trust this guy. You know, he, he he seems to have my best interest in mind. Um, And, and it was just a good learning experience for me to to, to be able to kind of do all that stuff on the fly.
0: Love what you said there, to build the trust and, and spend that time, that quality time with them. Because I think you'll get buy-in no matter what when you do those two things. Because my approach has always been – Let's build relationally. Let's get to where you can trust me. I can trust you. And then I'm gonna ask you to run through a wall for me. But prior to that, I'm just not sure I can ask you to do that. You not knowing me, me not knowing you. So I think that that was really, really good approach to the game, knowing that you had to earn respect. You had to kind of, you didn't get, you didn't have the luxury of walking in as a former, you know, the former power forward, leading score, leading of anything. You were the guy that says, now I care. I love this game. I want to get to know you guys. I want to, I want to build some culture here and, and get things going. So here here I am. use whatever you can use me for and then we'll we'll build together. And, and I think that's that's phenomenal coach. It was a great great approach. Um, so on this journey that you've had, uh, was there anything ever that probably kind of derailed you or maybe make you think twice like you, like you had to do with teaching? anything that kind of stopped you would have stopped you from uh going on this career path
1: um i i would say no which which i don't think is like a normal thing i think that most people you know would say yes to that because obviously there's there's a lot of hiccups in people's journeys throughout the their their own individual uh journeys i mean i think one of the the advantages that i've had is i have kind of always had a clear vision for what i want to do and and where i want to go and uh, and I think that's really kind of helped me move up a little quicker than, than I otherwise would have. Um, you know, and I also think that uh, I, I've, I've sort of seen it from a bunch of different levels because when I left uh, the University of Miami, I actually technically got out of the business for three years. I ran uh, the group elite basketball camp, which, is, uh, which are basketball camps for like, some of the best prospects in the country. Yeah. And I did that to sort of build my connection base and my, you know just coaches and players and you know just to kind of prepare myself for like what recruiting at the division one level looks like yeah. um you know in in when I got out of the business it just made me hungrier to want to get back so in back right in, yeah. so so that was that was sort of where you know I you know and that's really hard and, and those guys do a great job I work for a guy named Rob Kennedy who has uh, spent a time where there's probably thirty uh, coaches on the East Coast that at one point or another worked at, at the Hoop Group and and all of them are kind of you know guys that have had the same approach like hey and, and you really grind when you work there and so so getting out I think really made me even hungrier and you know since I've since I've been here I've been really really lucky because you know once again I I worked for an unbelievable guy in Jeff Bull who who just treats people the right way and, and, you know, put me in a really good position, gave me autonomy to recruit and do some of the things that I'm good at, uh, from day one. And, you know, he he ended up taking the Ohio university job and, and, and coach Ford, who was the head coach at Kent state and, uh, and Bradley, you know, took the head coaching job here and I stayed. Um, and and it's it's another great guy. So I haven't really had a lot of like negative experiences, um, that would derail me from, from, from my vision. But, yeah. you know, it's really, it's really hard. I mean, it's a lot of time spent. It's a lot of weekends gone, you know, so if you don't have that, you know, hunger inside of you, you know, I can see why a lot of people would waver on if they want to do it. Uh, it's just not something that, that I've ever had to deal with. Luckily.
0: Got you. So you said, you said a couple things there about your absence from the game, you know, it kind of goes to that old adage absence makes the heart grow fond especially when you know what you're kind of, like, built to do, what you're called to do, uh, it kind of calls you back in. That experience with Hoop Group, did that did that really, you know, like you said, you were kind of building your brand, building relationships at the grassroots level. That So that really, really came in handy now as far as with your recruiting prowess, all those type of things. Uh, so, like, what have you learned from yourself, uh, about yourself, I should say, through all this time having – Jumped in and then jumped out and done kind of the grassroots thing, and then now back as a coach. Well, what has all that taught you about yourself?
1: Well, I think uh, first and foremost, I think you know I have Chris Caputo, who's the associate head coach in Miami, and one of my biggest mentors. Um, actually, the reason why I was I ended up being down in Miami, and he's actually the one that gave me the advice because I had some opportunities to take some some director of basketball operations jobs after. After my time spent at Miami, and you know, he kind of said, "Hey, you're a you're, you're a non playing five nine guy who comes from a you know you don't really have anybody who's got your back. Like yeah. you know, you got to do something to separate yourself from from everybody else in the world who wants to be a, a Division one college basketball coach. And you got to find what what that one thing is. And I think maybe because I you know I am somebody who, who's always been connecting and talking to people and uh, he said, I think if you spent some time at the hoop group and you just built your connections up with, you know, everybody below you, beside you, above you in the basketball world, you know, you could really use that to springboard your career and it'll you know, end up being a differentiator for you uh, when it comes to being a college coach. Because as as most people know, like, you know, coaching in college, it's, it's about 10% X's and O's and, and on the floor and 90% everything else. And one major thing is, you know, are you able to bring in players who can represent the university the right way while yeah. still being talented basketball players and can help you win games in a in a profession where wins and losses are if you keep your job, right? Yeah. yeah. So um so I kinda learned that 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 you know, I, I have to find a way to to separate myself, uh in and, and it's in it's never gonna be by, you know, what I've what I've done as far as you know being a player or any of those things but there is there are ways where you can where you can do those things and you know and the other thing i learned uh is that you have to like be a sick sick worker to to really move up because everybody is working hard like if you talk to anybody and say like what what can you bring to the table i'm going to work really hard well you know what is working hard to you and i and i've learned throughout time like I used to think I worked hard, right? And then yeah. now I work harder. And, and I'm sure in five years, I'm going to say, oh, you used to think you work hard, right? Because so, it's never, the, the, the longer you're in it, in order to stay in it, you got to kind of exceed what you hope that other people are doing or, or you're not going to have any chance at all.
0: I think your work ethic kind of evolves in a sense. Like, there's best practices. Uh, there's self, there's kind of like mastering certain things, self-mastery for one. Uh, and that's I think that's how you grow in the game is uh, kind of looking at when I say I work hard, I work hard. OK, well, now that you've kind of reached this point with your hard work, can you get can you get more? Can you give more? And I think that's kind of the role of, uh, as coaches as well. We ask that of players and it's great for us to do the same thing. Like, OK, can you find more inside to give? Can you give that extra effort? It's fourth quarter, man. Let's go. Uh, you know, those type of deals. And I think, and I yeah, exactly. you know, I think that's so key for us as coaches to grow and learn how to work harder ourselves. And sometimes, you know, people say, well, you want to work smarter, not harder. Well, I think you can do both. And you can do, you can do both of them at a higher level uh, from year to year, from week to week, from day to day, even. So that's, that's a great point of emphasis, coach. So kind of. Well, go, and, and, go and,
1: and just to, real, real quick, sorry, not not to cut you off, that but works. Just, you know, one thing that I, that I wish I would have said, uh, in addition to that was it's also not necessarily like how hard you work, because if somebody's able to get something done with a 80th of the amount of work that somebody else does, uh, then, then it's all, results driven. Right. So yeah. like. So, so I, I learned that you know, I, for me personally, I, I'm not the smartest. I'm not the you know, the, the, there's no, there's no special thing with anything about me other than that. So I need to work harder to be able to accomplish some things. But it's just result driven. If, if yeah. A, B, and C is asked of you, then you need to get A, B, and C done, and and you can't have A and B done without C, no matter why you didn't get C done. And that's that's something that I really learned from Rob Kennedy at the Hoop Group. It was. You know, he, he, is, he is the hardest boss I've ever worked for, but I am 100 times a better soldier because of the time I spent with him uh, just just accomplishing, you know, you know un- things that you would think would be unrealistic and, yeah. and he just didn't have any patience for not being able to get it done. And you just learned that you can do a whole lot more than you originally thought you could do. So yeah. I just wanted to add that. That's
0: that's That's a great point as well. So, like, I tell people all the time you can't argue with results. And if you're, and if you're that guy who's getting results, and then you feel like this place of contentment, maybe and it can turn to complacency. A guy like that can come in and push you even harder. And you're like, man, just don't I thought I had hit some kind of, uh, some kind of stride, I'm learning, like, man, I'm still a little behind. I can do more. To, like you said, separate yourself and bring yourself to a place of like, I, I have to work a little bit harder than everybody else because I don't have X, Y, or Z, but yet when you learn to work harder and harder that's yeah like you said separates yourself so with that coach uh feedback criticism how does that how does that play the role in your career and in your growth
1: I think it's probably the most important thing that that I mean not just in coaching but like in any any profession or anything that you're trying to accomplish there's that you're no nobody is perfect and nobody is even remotely close to being perfect so if you're willing to, to take criticism and you're willing to take feedback and try to apply and take it from everybody, take it from people that you consider your peers, take it from people that you consider maybe aren't quite as far along professionally as you are right now, and and obviously take it from your bosses, and you know I think it kind of prepares you to you know continue to improve your craft. And you know one of the best things about coaching is it's, it's continually evolving, and that's why the best coach in the country, Coach K, and Boy Williams and these guys, you see that like they've adapted what they've done throughout time. I mean, there was a time yeah. whenever Coach K was never going to take a one and done, right? Yeah. So like then Zion Williamson and these guys come around, and Austin Rivers, and it's like he's adapted because he understands he needs to adapt because it's 2019, and you know, and that's uh, arguably one of the best coaches of all time. So I think you have to be able to take feedback and criticism, and I also think it's sort of a it's sort of a, a dog eat dog, uh, business. So, you know, it's not always going to be perfect and you're not, and you're going to make mistakes. So, you know, you got to be able to take them own what mistakes you've made, uh, whether it's just not getting something done or whether it's, you know, anything and, and, and sort of applying it to what you're doing. And, and I think that, you know, I, I've done quite a bit of that part, partly because I've messed up quite a bit. Right. So, yeah. so there's been a lot of time to, to continually evolve and, you know, and obviously I have a long way to go, but, you know, I think that I've at this point tried to apply, especially some of my best mentors, uh, advice and, and go from there.
0: Well, you're talking about mistakes, stuff like that, criticism, feedback. I think failure, you know, we teach kids too, like a loss can teach you more than a win most of the time, right? Uh, although we don't want to be learning that much <laughs> too often with losses, right? I don't need to be that, exactly. that knowledgeable. Uh but it's true in a sense even for us as coaches and as leaders like failure does teach us some things and that's why we can't be afraid to fail because if we do then we use it as a learning mechanism and uh, I think the problem only lies with the guys who regurgitate that stuff like play it out in their head over and over again and never move forward but when you understand how much the people around you that are giving you this feedback and possibly the criticism actually care and want to see you thrive in your position and in your role, man, you can really, really make those changes that are necessary to have success. And then ultimately, like we talked about getting results. Uh, so earlier, you talked about some of the things you sacrificed and, and kind of how you you go through some things at times to to get where you're at. What have you personally sacrificed to be where you're at today? Well,
1: I think that the the, the first and foremost thing is kind of what what a lot you'll hear a lot of coaches especially like when you get into like the division one coaching and the the time spent uh at your job you you obviously first and foremost you have to sacrifice your your time spent doing other things because it is a it's a really really fun job and it's the best job in the world but it's one of the most time-consuming jobs ever so i don't i don't necessarily look at it as a grind because it's a it's a fun thing that we're doing but there are, you know, multiple, multiple weekends, you know, not only during the season when you were, uh, you know, traveling to away games and taking, you know, a couple weeks here and there, but also in the off season with the recruiting and, you know, generally speaking, you're gone for the majority of the summer. Um, you know, I think that you sacrifice, uh, you sacrifice some time spent doing other things, uh. You know, you sacrifice hobbies, right? So, like guys that like to golf, guys that like to do something. Obviously, you have some time. It's not that serious, but at the same time, it's you. You don't have weekends, you know, and some of the things that you might have if you did a different profession. Um, you know, and that and that's hard on. That's hard on some of the people around you. Like, obviously, yeah. even if you love what you're doing, you got to make sure that you. You got to make sure that you're surrounded by people that kind of understand what what you're doing and 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 believe in what you're telling them. And I think, I also think you need to, you maximize the time when you're not doing the, the work thing to, to be able to spend as much time at home and with family and all those things as you possibly can because of the time that you have to spend when you're away from it.
0: So how do you get kind of creative with your, with your uh, kind of managing time with family? Because the support system means a lot, you know, uh, not just within the group of coaches that you work with and staff in all those things and players, but there's a support system, you know, like you said, with the family and all that, what, how do you make the time for that and for your family?
1: I think the, the thing that I kind of made a uh, decision early on was two things. So uh, on the second date that I ever had with my wife, right, I kind of explained I'm a coach and this is sort of what I want to do. And it's time consuming and, she had worked in athletics so she had a a feel of what what the job consisted of and I think that I think first and foremost you need to have people around you who truly truly understand and are independent right because if they're not able to do some things on their own like you know whether if you're the you know the the greatest dad and the greatest husband ever you know you're just you're inevitably just through a job where travel is involved and you know, you're not always going to be there. So you need, you know, strong, independent people around you, which not not everybody has. And I know that's an unbelievable luxury that I have with my wife, Maria. Um, But beyond that, I also think that you need to make sure that when you are around your family, that you are giving them the same amount of energy that you gave work. I think I I had a history of coming home at 7 or whatever and, and being so exhausted that, like, you know, I just wouldn't be the same person at home. I'd be, I'd be tired and I would be, you know, and I was thinking in my head, I would never be like that whenever I'm at work. So it's kind of not fair for me to act that way when I'm at home. So I think that, you know, making sure that, you know, when you do get time to spend with family, you're attacking it with the same amount of energy that, that you you attack work with. And if you're not able to do that, then, then you got to make a sacrifice and, you know, more often than not, it needs to be with work and not with, with family because at the end of the day, family is what comes first the the job yeah. is
0: just a job you know it's funny you say that because prior to, to jumping on the phone call with you uh my wife was like here can you take this trash out before you jump on that podcast <laughs> and then and I'll tell you what coach 11 times out of 10 I'm gonna take that trash out because I don't wanna have to deal with the repercussions and not only that I don't you know you know, how people say bring that, keep that same energy, right? Like, I've I've learned that, be, you know, through my wife's feedback. <laughs> She's told me plenty of times. Hey, you know what? Happy,
1: happy wife,
0: happy exactly. life. Exactly, right? bingo! Like you hit it. So, like, if I'm if I'm gonna give this energy and all this time to players and my 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 uh, coaching staff or whatever, why can't I do the same with them? And when, like you said, you brought up a great and a fantastic point coming home like a beat and then like no energy left like man I just feel like that's kind of a a huge hurdle for, for some of us to kind of jump over and get past because we feel like I work so hard I kind of deserve this opportunity to just relax and I've learned to to kind of put a put aside my uh I don't know my pity parties at times, especially when it, we, we take an L or something, it's like, okay, I need to get over this now immediately. When we watch film tomorrow or we get in the gym tomorrow, we'll discuss this and maybe I'll kind of be frustrated then. But <laughs> right now when I'm with my family, I want nothing to do with that. I want nothing to do with basketball. I just want to be with them and be, you know, be where my feet are at, turn this phone off and, and, and get to some good quality time. So just great 100
1: percent. i completely agree
0: great points coach so looking ahead and kind of where you're at still setting you know kind of the the foundation and the path for where you're headed at the end of it all coach when your career is over what would you want to be said of you as your legacy
1: um that's a that's a that's a great question uh you know I, i i think that I think the longer you're in it, the more you kind of understand that that obviously wins and losses are important, and and you want to win as many games as possible because that's you know the guy the guys we talk about are the ones that have won the most, right? I mentioned yeah. Coach K earlier. It's like we know him because he's won a thousand basketball games, yeah. but but beyond but beyond that, you know the 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 biggest thing I think. And the reason why I enjoyed getting into coaching in the first place was just the time spent with as many different people as possible and the differences you can make in their lives. And, you know, I still have uh, guys that I I coached in sixth grade AAU uh, when I first graduated from college that are now, you know, in their late 20s or whatever. And and. You know, I, I mean, I'm as close with as those guys ever, and they, they are starting families, and just just the lifelong uh, relationships you build with people. And yeah. you know, I, I'd like to kind of hopefully be able to make a positive impact on as many different lives as possible. Uh, you know, while while doing something that that everybody likes to do, and and uh, and that would be kind of my my biggest hope is that I can I can sort of make a difference with with each individual kid as, as much as humanly possible, and. And and hopefully we, we keep relationships alive for for the rest of the time after they're done playing for us, and then you know that that's sort of my biggest goal from yeah. coaching.
0: Fantastic, coach. I uh, appreciate your time. Uh, I'm glad we got to do this, and and got you know before y'all head out on the, I'm sure y'all are headed out this week to do some recruiting, and uh, you know before you head out, glad to have you know made this time. So uh, I, thank- I appreciate it, man. So thank you so much, and I wish you nothing but luck on the, on the road trip here coming up and, and in your upcoming season. All right, thanks. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Creative Coaching Podcast. You can find us at iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, and you can even follow us on Twitter at CreativeCoach47. Thank you.